Well, we've been having this great series of honor and blessing, and we talked about what honor is, and we talked about honoring God's word and honoring God's people. And then Pastor Joe Lamozio uh, did a great job and talked about honoring his will. Uh, Pastor Brandon Landon then the following week talked about honoring his way and uh, quoted a great spiritual guru who said, sit down, be humble. And uh, I don't know if we should quote people like that, but uh, that's the way the cookie crumbled. So um, Pastor Luke then talked about honoring his system by being obedient in our first fruits, and we are going to do that today. And that's the exciting part of it. And then last week, Pastor Moran and Pastor Noel did a great job. Pastor Moran did a great job. Pastor Noel, an average one, uh, talked about honoring his discipline. No, you know I'm kidding, right? He's Australian. I have to tease him. Otherwise, he thinks he's not loved. I don't want him to develop some kind of complex. Um, Well, I think he's got one already, so that's too late. But today we have lots of ground to cover, and um, I'm not going to hurry the subject. We're going to talk about the subject of wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. We're going to do it in two parts, and today we're going to celebrate the Lord's table and uh, bring our yearly first fruits offering. So it is a very sacred day. It's a joyful day. How many of you know giving ought to be joyful? Uh, the, the root of giving, the root of being a generous person is that we are joyful people. And I am believing God for great things in my own life. And I know that you're believing God for great things in your life. And I know that God desires to bless. Uh, we see that throughout his word, especially dealing in Proverbs chapter 3. We see there's so many principles, the principle of honor and the principle of blessing. So we know that God desires to bless. The real question is, will we honor him so he can bless us? So the real question is, are we blessable? Turn to your neighbor and say, he he made up that word, but are you blessable? (laughs) Say it again. Are you blessable? With that in mind, I want us to go to Proverbs chapter 3, and let's pick up uh, from verse 13. And we're going to look at verse 13 through 18 today. And listen to what it says. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. How many of you would say that that's pretty incredible? Uh, Now, here's the principle of honor. The principle of honor is this. We must desire wisdom, pursue it, embrace it above all else. And then here's the blessing. And this is amazing. It produces life. It produces joy. It brings things, blessings to our lives, honor, healthy guidance, and satisfaction. How many of you would like to live a life like that? A life full of joy, a life full of blessings, a life full of honor, a life full of healthy guidance, knowing knowing how to make good decisions, and and a life that leads to the end of satisfaction that you truly can say, my soul is satisfied. I don't know about you, but that is a mouthful of blessing. And that all comes from wisdom. Now, the blessings are beyond mentioning to such an extent that the writer of Proverbs calls it later on in verse 18. He says that wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace him. Wisdom is the tree and the fruit is all these blessings, which is incredible. Now, talk about living life to its fillers. Now, by the way, uh, this is not all because I only read verses 13 to 18. And next week, we'll cover more of wisdom from verses 19 to 26. Just like the infomercial say, wait, there's more. There's a whole lot more. So much more. Wisdom is a tree that bears the fruit for living our lives in, a, in an abundant way. 
Now, here's the billion-dollar question. Why would we not do everything in our power to desire, pursue, and embrace wisdom with, with all we've got? If this is what wisdom produces, why would we not do everything we can to gain wisdom? Now, the wisdom that we are talking about is wisdom that comes from God. How many of you know there's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom? Now, the Bible's wisdom consists of actually two parts. To say it in another way, it has two components to it. So in your notes, I want you to write down this. Here are the two parts of biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom is first and foremost spiritual. It is spiritual. Secondly, biblical wisdom is practical. Spiritual and practical. Now, these two aspects of wisdom work hand in hand to produce the manifold blessings that we read about in Proverbs chapter 3, and they are not opposing one another. How many of you know that spirituality and practicality can, should not be divorced? Stupid is as stupid does, right? You cannot claim spirituality when you're making dumb decisions. That's just dumb decisions. They complement one another. Now, you see, there's a lot of folks who pursue one without the other, and it does not produce what it says. It will, and people wonder why. Why am I not having all these things that God says I can have in my life? Because you're either only pursuing one aspect of wisdom or pursuing the other aspect of wisdom. Uh, think of this in terms of a husband and a wife. They are not the same, but through marriage, they are one. And for the marriage to be successful, you need both of them working together to establish a healthy home and family. I want to make this very clear. You need the spiritual and the practical application of wisdom in your life to be a wise person. You need both. Say, I need both. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover the one aspect, the spiritual aspect. So don't miss next week because next week we'll cover the practical aspect of wisdom. Now let me give you the greatest principle of wisdom. Without this, wisdom is nothing but worldly smarts without the power to truly make a difference in our souls. And here it is. The greatest principle of wisdom, are you ready? Is Christ is our wisdom. The greatest principle of wisdom is that Christ is our wisdom. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 23. And you'll bear with me as I'm just getting my breath and working through this. Are you okay with that? I'm not spitting on anybody yet. So that'll come later in the service. But 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, listen to this. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God. Somebody say the power of God. And watch this, and the wisdom of God. So Christ is the power and the wisdom. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. The Jews saw themselves as spiritual and the Greeks saw themselves as intellectual. The Jews were looking for a sign and the Greeks or the Gentiles were searching for more, for more knowledge. The Jews was looking for salvation in a sign. The Gentiles was looking for more knowledge in order to gain wisdom in their lives. But God placed both power and wisdom in the person of Jesus. So the Jews were offended by Jesus, and the Gentiles said, well, that's all nonsense. Yet Paul says that which looks foolishness to one and nonsense to another is actually wiser and stronger than both. Why? Because wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. 
But here's, here's what's amazing for us. God let us in on this glorious secret of wisdom. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, and let's look at verse 27 and 28. Watch this. God decided to let his people know this rich and glorious secret which he has for some people. Hey, you're paying attention. I like that. Which he has for who? All people. Now watch this. Read this next five words with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. The secret is who is the secret of wisdom? Christ himself. Who is our wisdom? Jesus. Who is our power? Jesus. Now watch this. This secret is Christ himself who is in you. He is our only hope for glory. So we continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn and to teach everyone in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. Wow, that is a mouthful. Without Jesus, our wisdom is lopsided. Get it? It can only be pursued from a natural human point of view and it misses out not only on what wisdom produces but also on the person who is wisdom himself who is Jesus. That's why maybe today if you're watching online and, or maybe you're here today and, and you are still investigating faith and you, you're still thinking about this whole thing about God and, and you thinking that, well, you know, the world is intellectual, the church is spiritual. That's not true. As a matter of fact, we worship God with our minds. But what we do understand, the greatest wisdom and the greatest source of wisdom and the key to wisdom and the secret of wisdom is only found in one who is wisdom above all wisdom, and that is Christ himself. Without Jesus, you cannot have wisdom. Now, you can have smarts, you can have knowledge, you can even gain understanding, but you cannot find true wisdom without the person of Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 2. I'm just going to emphasize this point because we ought to get it. Watch this. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they, watch this, understand God's mysterious plan, which is who? Christ Christ himself. Are you getting it? Now, I want you to notice the next verse because the next verse has got some juice to it. Look at this. In him, in Christ, lie what? Hidden all the what? Treasures of what? Wisdom and I'm looking for wisdom. You're going to find it in Christ. I'm looking for understanding and knowledge. You're going to find it in Jesus. He is the source of our wisdom. He is the reason for our wisdom. And he is the power of our understanding so that we may gain the wisdom. Now I want you to write this down because this is the key in gaining wisdom. If Christ is our wisdom and Christ is the power, then how do I gain wisdom? Very simply, growing in Christ is growing in wisdom. Growing in Christ is growing in wisdom. Now, I want to say this as lovingly as I can. The fact that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are going to heaven does not mean that you are growing in Christ. The fact that you've been around church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years does not mean that you are growing in Jesus. The fact that your grandpappy or your grandmammy or or whoever mammy or pappy you had, you know, shared a few things about Jesus with you doesn't mean that you are growing in Christ. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. 
And growing in Christ is growing in wisdom. If you're not growing in Christ, you are not growing in wisdom. So you have to determine, am I growing in Christ? Because without growing in Christ, I'm not growing in wisdom. And I want to grow in wisdom because I want everything that wisdom produces in my life. I want that tree of life that produces goodness, that produces understanding, that produces blessing, that have long life in the one hand and riches and wealth in the other hand. How many of you will deal with that? Come on now, somebody. This is not a prosperity teaching, but hey, it produces good decisions. How many of you need to make some good decisions? How many of you are sitting next to your bad decision? You've got to understand you need to grow in wisdom. Uh, are you okay out there? Now watch this. I want you to notice this verse, Ephesians 1. Uh, are you, we, we just, we're just talking here today, right? I'm not preaching at you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just sharing with you. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 16. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. To give you what? Spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So growing in Christ is growing in wisdom. I want to grow in Christ. Why? Because Christ is wisdom and in him lies all the treasures of wisdom so i gotta find him i gotta know him i've gotta embrace him i've gotta pursue him to have the wisdom that i need in order to have the life that he has ordained for me so how do i grow in wisdom very simply write this in your notes we grow in wisdom by making jesus our primary pursuit we grow in wisdom by making Jesus our primary pursuit. Now, to put it in another way, leave that up there just for a moment so they can write it in. We grow in wisdom by making Jesus our primary pursuit. To put it in another way, that means we put him first. Now, we can say amen because we feel like we're putting him first, but let's talk about it. How do I know that Christ is first? How do I know? Is there a way to know? Is there a measurement? Is there, is there an understanding that I, can, that I can look at my life and I can, I can investigate my own life? I can inspect my own life and take a measure and look and say, it's like looking in a mirror. I looked in a mirror this morning and I said, oh my. And I needed to make some changes. Are you with me? So I did some things, and I don't know if it helped or didn't help, but it, it helped me, uh, it, you know, to feel better about what I saw when I woke up. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about the ladies. The ladies wake up pretty all the time. I'm talking about especially the men. I mean, we, we wake up and we go, oh, my. Jesus, have mercy. And how many of you know the older you get, the more mercy you need? It's either mercy or Botox, one of the two. We don't know, but we need something, right? So how, how, is there a measurement? Is there a way that I can tell that I'm pursuing him other than just a feeling, other than just, well, I feel like God is first in my life. Well, I'm going to give you some things. They're practical, but they are highly, highly volatile. And some of you might get mad. I'm okay with it. All right. So let's ask this question. Putting Jesus first means what? Here it is. The first thought 
of every day. If Jesus is first in your life, he is the first thought of every day. Now watch this, Psalm 5 verse 3. And, and by the way, I didn't do an extensive verse, verses for this because there are so many. But I just picked one verse. Psalm 5 3 says, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord, each morning. I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. The first thought, when he is your pursuit, he needs to be. Some of you, your first thought is, what am I going to do at the job? Some of you, your first thought is, what am I going to have for breakfast? Some of you, your first thought is nothing. You can't even have a first thought. But the first thought, once you've reached the place where you understand where you are, and you are truly awake, and for some of you, that's later than for others. Your first thought should be, he needs to hear my voice. He needs to be one. I am focusing on him. That's called worship. You give him the first thought. If he's first, you give him the first thought of every day. Secondly, you give him the first day of every week. Now that went a little bit more quiet, but let's check this out. Look at Acts 20 verse 7. Are you out there, church? Look at this. Acts 20 verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. So when do they gather? First day of the week. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. So that's why they celebrate. That's why we don't, we don't celebrate the Sabbath because Jesus has become our Sabbath. Sabbath is every day for us now. So we don't pick a specific day, but yet we have a day where we honor the Lord. The first day, the first day of the week. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings. That's why you are the most spiritual because you year first. So, you, you know, first thing. Right, But watch this. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until... We got a long day ahead of us. Somebody needs to order some tacos. We're going to be in it for a while. How many of you understand that some of you can't even give God an hour? On a Sunday morning, you show up late for worship. You, work, you walk in your after we sing. Come on now, somebody. If you do that consistently for a job, you're going to get fired. But yet we can't honor God enough by showing up on time. You should have stayed home. And do you realize that if you give God one, if you, if you don't miss... If you don't miss, let me say it again. If you don't miss one church service, you are only giving God 52 hours a year. That's two days and a few hours of 365 days of the year. That's if you don't miss. Come on now, somebody. Don't tell me that God is your pursuit, but you can't even show up for something that's real basic, real practical. Amen. I told you someone's going to be mad here in a moment. So if Jesus is first, what do we do? We're putting him first by giving him the first thought of every day, by giving him the first day of every week. And I didn't say the first hour. I said the first day. So it's a, that you got to determine where am I going to serve? Where am I going to give? What am I going to do? Not just showing up and say, okay, I gave a little and that's fine. Here's another one. Are you ready for the next one? How do I measure if I'm growing in Christ? I give him the first consideration in every decision. 
He is the first consideration in every decision. It's not, can I make more money if I move? No, what does God say? Should I marry this person? It's not, oh, well, I love her, I love him. No, what does God say? We had a great sermon given by Pastor Joe about this, which is part of our Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He'll show you which path to take. So before you decide anything, before you act on anything, is what does God have to say to me? What, what, what does God say about this? So the first thought of every day, why? Putting Jesus first. The first day of every week, the first consideration of every decision. And here's one that we struggle with and why, I don't know. The first part of all my income. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of each week, that's because you give him that day, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. You should each what? Put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So he's not saying, hey, store it up and then bring it. He says, as you earn it, you bring it. As you earn it, you bless. As you earn it, you give. He's the first part. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Everything he blesses me with. Why? Because he's first. He's first. He's my first pursuit. I want to grow in wisdom. And how do I grow in wisdom? By growing in Christ. How do I grow in Christ? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. God has no problem in giving you the blessing. God has no problem in adding to your life. The problem is we are pursuing other things and not Christ. And therefore we don't have wisdom. And we only come to God once we've messed things up. And God is saying, hey, I don't want you to live like that. Instead of asking for forgiveness, why don't you rather ask for permission? Come on now, somebody. See, we say, well, you know, God will cover me. You know, he's, he's forgiving. Absolutely, he does. But instead of messing up first, why don't you first ask if it's okay? Hallelujah. Are you all right there? So let's, let's retract. If Christ is first, he is the first thought of every day. He is the first day of every week. First consideration, every decision. First part of all my income. And this one, the next one, is sometimes we leave it out, but this is crucial. I want to grow in Christ. How do I do it? He is the first example in all my responses. I'm going to say that out loud again. He is the first example in all my responses. If Christ is my pursuit, then the first way I respond is not according to my violent temper. It's not according to, well, you don't understand where I come from. Well, you don't understand what's happened to me. Why you don't understand what they did to me. No, it doesn't matter. The first, I'm looking at the example, the example of him. And when I look at the example of him, that's how I want to respond. Why? Because Christ is first. Now watch this. Let's look at these verses. Are you ready for this? Now this is, this is going to challenge every single one of us. It challenged me and I know it'll challenge you. Look at James 3 verse 13. Watch this. If you are wise, somebody say if. Watch this. And understand God's way. So we say, well, I'm a wise person. I understand how God works. All right. Notice what it says. Prove it. 
Hello? Prove it. How do I prove it? By living an honorable life, doing good works. Now watch this. With the humility that comes from wisdom. From, from where? Wisdom. The humility. Pastor Dan wrote a beautiful uh, thing about that. Before honor comes what? Humility. If you read the devotionals. Before honor comes humility. So we understand humility. But where does humility come from? Humility, the, the root of humility is wisdom. And the most humble person we ever know is Jesus. Now watch this. Watch. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition or pride. Selfish ambition. Well, what do I get? What about me? In your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. So what he's saying, he says, when, you, you, when you're jealous and you're angry and, and, and you've got selfish ambition because you feel threatened in life, he says, then guess what? Watch this. He says, don't cover it up by saying, you know, well, I'm the greatest. That's why all covered up by just lying. Oh, no, no, I'm not offended. Watch this. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of... Watch, he's going to go for the, for the gut here. Such things are earthly unspiritual, and simply what? Demonic. I don't mess around with that stuff. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. Why? Because you allow your ego to get in the way of what God wants to do in your life, and you put yourself first instead of putting others first. Let me say, make a statement to you. Pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing. You don't even know that you're in pride, but you are in pride. And guess what it's doing to you? It is strangling you and it's killing you while you are laying asleep. Amen. Are you okay out there? Listen to this. But the wisdom, somebody say, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. <laughs> it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Come on now, somebody. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So if I'm pursuing Christ, and I'm saying I'm pursuing Christ, then guess what must happen? He must increase and I must decrease. The problem with us, the moment God puts us in a situation where suddenly we have to decrease, we manifest. Suddenly it's, you know, we, we get all mad. And all God is doing is just revealing to you what's in your heart. Why? Through how? Through your response. Because you can't yield. You feel, well, you prefer one over the other. Paul had that situation in 1 Corinthians where one says, hey, uh, let me say this to you. This church will continue whether I'm here or not. It doesn't lie on Henny Bosman. This church is built on Jesus. And whoever preaches here are, are, are qualified people who preach the gospel with power. And we ought to listen to them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they are preaching the word of God. And we ought to listen to that. This is not hinging on a personality. The only personality this is hinging on is on Jesus Christ. 
Not Handy Bosman. If your faith is in Handy Bosman, you're in trouble. You need to repent. I don't want to be anybody's idol. Especially not yours. Because you're setting me up for failure. Are you okay out there? We're just talking, right? I'm not preaching at you. But the wisdom that's as, as pure, it's peace-loving. It's gentle at all, at all times, especially when your feathers got feathered. Come on now, somebody. We ought to talk about this. Willing to yield to others. Are you willing to yield? Are you willing to prefer others? Are you willing to put others above you? Or do you have to fight for your right? Fight for your selfish ambition? Fight for your position? Or are you trusting God? That, that we've, I've always told the staff that one of the number one responsibilities at the Rock Church is this, is we must embrace the vanishing ministry. That's one of the things we embrace. Well, what if you vanish? Then I vanish as long as Jesus gets to the fore. Whoever God wants to use, let him use. Who in the heck am I to get in the way of that? God has a place for me and I'm comfortable with wherever he puts me and however he puts me in that place. My faith is not in a church. My faith is not in a preaching. My faith is in Jesus Christ. He is my wisdom. He is my security. He is my faith. He is my comfort. He is everything I need. I don't need a position to hold on to what I got. I can give it all up. Why? Because all of it is nonsense and dung in comparison to him, Jesus. As long as I have Jesus, I have everything I need. And guess what? No matter what you do to me, you can't take him away from me. Why would I get mad? I still got Jesus. You got to check your responses. I want to be as lovingly as I can, (laughs) but clearly truthful as well. I don't care how long you've been around, around church or just around the world. If Christ is not your pursuit, you will not find the wisdom that's available to you as a follower of Jesus. We give him our first thought. We give him the first day of the week by assembling together. We give him the first consideration in every decision we make. We give him the first and the best of all our income and increase. And we look to him as our first and primary example of how we respond to all circumstances and people because we are peacemakers, not peace meddlers. Some of you do okay in a few of these, but you need some help in some of these. And we all need to grow. I know people say, well, you don't understand. We live by grace. Yes, we do. But grace is not a divine cover-up. Grace is a divine empowerment. You say, Henny, what do you mean? Grace is not only there for you if you mess up, which we know it is. Grace is to empower you so you could stop messing up. So you could stop having the same response that you've always had. So you could stop not honoring God in your income. So that you could stop only attending church once in a blue moon. So that you can stop not being faithful to God in your relationship to Him every day of the week. So you could stop making decisions that you based on what is beneficial for you instead of what is beneficial for God and for His kingdom and maybe even prefer others above yourself. That's, listen to me, God does not call you to have and to hold from this day forward everything he's gotten you. He's called you to a cross and he's called you to pick up that cross daily and follow him. And the cross is not a place of celebration, it's a place of death. 
And every day you have to learn how to die to yourself. Jesus is our wisdom and power. He's the one who helps us to be wise, to be smart, to be prudent, to be faithful, to be kind, to be humble, to be preferring others, to be full of mercy, to be gentle at all times, to willing to yield to others, shows no favoritism, and is always sincere. Meaning what I said earlier, we don't prefer one above the other like the Corinthians. I am of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Guess what? Guess what he says if we are like that? Guess what he says? He says, if you like that, you are a meathead. He uses the word carnal, carne, where we get meat from. He says, you are a meathead. That means you're a dummy spiritual when you prefer one above the other and when you show favoritism one above the other because God shows no favoritism and the wisdom of God shows no favoritism. Therefore, we should show no favoritism. Be careful how you handle the challenges that come your way because you might be thinking that you are standing up for something, but you're actually falling down towards the character and nature of Christ. Welcome home. Now, with that in mind, I want us to go to the Lord's table right now. So that's, as we come to the Lord's table, it is a reminder to right-size him and to right-size us and to consider where we come short so that we can examine ourselves.